Welcome to the Analysis Mason podcast. I'm Larry Goldman, Chief Analyst at Analysis Mason. Uh, today, I'm talking with Jeanette Stewart, an Analysis Mason partner, a leading expert on wireless spectrum. Um, we're going to be talking about uh, the new demands for spectrum and a conference that she was at recently that was dealing with this. And uh, so welcome to the podcast, Jeanette. Uh, Jeanette, we have, I think we're dealing with uh, the idea of new demands uh, in the mobile network, uh, new kinds of applications that will place uh, increasing needs for data capacity. What is the industry actually doing to achieve this? Hello, Larry. Thank you for inviting me onto this podcast. Um, the industry is is doing um, several things. Um, they are changing network architectures. Uh, they are changing underlying radio technologies and they are looking to layer in further spectrum bands. So already in 4G networks, the 4G networks are considerably more complex today than they were when they first launched. And we have multiple frequency bands being used and techniques such as carrier aggregation. In 5G, we have also seen further spectrum being added into the mobile networks for launch of 5G. And um, 5G has been accompanied by a new radio technology. Moving forward, the industry is now starting to think beyond 5G and the evolution of 5G into potentially a, a 6G architecture. In 6G, probably we will see also architectural changes. We will see technology changes and new spectrum requirements as well. So that is what the industry is doing currently. All right. So what do you really need different spectrum for this? Why, why can't we just use the spectrum we have? <laughs> That's a good question, Larry. So one reason we need further spectrum is that the existing spectrum in mobile networks is already heavily used for mobile data traffic over current generations of, um, of mobile network. Um, obviously, traffic distribution varies, so different parts of the network are more congested than others. Uh, however, in the most congested areas of the networks, the existing spectrum is already widely used. So that is one reason why further spectrum is beneficial. The other reason is that the radio technology is changing. So one difference between 5G radio technology and 4G is that 5G natively uses wider channels. And so some of the existing spectrum that was used for 4G is not really suitable for deploying those wider channels because the bandwidth is more limited. So as we move through different generations of technology, we're starting to see technologies changing wider bandwidths needed, and then that suggests that different spectrum would actually be suitable to accommodate that change. All right. Well, you know, we're a few years into the rollout of 5G uh, in many countries, but but there are other countries where uh, 5G spectrum still hasn't been allocated or a very, very slow process here. Uh, why is that? The, the reason for that is that the spectrum that 5G uses has been historically used for other purposes and so although there are international agreements on bands that should be used for 5G in some markets there are difficulties for regulators to make that spectrum available because it is already in use for 
another purpose. And so it takes time to reconfigure the spectrum in order to release spectrum for 5G use. Um, that repurposing is also important for the operators of mobile networks in order to invest in their networks. There would be some hesitation by operators to pay for rights to use spectrum um, if spectrum is already occupied by other services. So that, that is why in some markets where um, there is a, a longer process of clearing incumbent use, um, 5G spectrum has not yet been licensed. Okay. So it seems that when we started rolling out 5G, there was a really high expectation uh, that millimeter wave would provide very, very high performance for us. Uh, and I suppose it, it does, but there's been very little support for millimeter wave. Uh, why is that? Yeah, the, the millimeter wave story is, is an interesting one. The early ideas of 5G were to have very high performance that significantly exceeds 4G capabilities and could be competitive with fixed fiber networks. Um, so that performance needs wide channels. It needs sufficient spectrum and millimeter wave is inherently suited to doing that. However, the characteristics of millimeter wave are such that um, the, the distance that the signals travel is much shorter than the, the spectrum that has been typically used for mobile networks to date. Um, and so there have just been various issues in building out networks to use millimeter wave. That has happened in some markets, but it has not happened in, in all markets. Um, and one, one other reason is that in many markets, initial 5G has been rolled out using the midband spectrum, which is around 3.5 gigahertz. That spectrum is more suitable to build onto existing macro cell towers within mobile networks, especially using new antenna technologies, massive MIMO, as they're called, and massive MIMO is, is very suitable for use in that midband spectrum. And so that's another reason why we haven't seen as much deployment in millimeter wave as we might have expected. Okay. So um, we were talking about higher demand applications and so forth. And, and, and fixed wireless access is something that we've actually seen some success uh, happening uh, already. Uh, there's some use of fixed wireless access and, uh, I guess particularly in North America. Um, so, um, how does how does that kind of usage actually affect the demand for spectrum? Fixed wireless access is looking to be something of a success story for five G. Fixed wireless access has existed with previous generations of wireless technology, but what five G is enabling is um, higher performance. And as I mentioned previously, that what that means is that. Uh, the performance can become more comparable with that of a fixed broadband connection. Um, so what fixed wireless access in 5G is doing is it's enabling operators to move beyond just mobile use of spectrum. One issue, though, is that the demands of fixed broadband do consume a lot of bandwidth. Um, so this means we will continue to need more spectrum for mobile use if fixed wireless access continues to grow. Okay. So uh, fixed wireless is maybe a, a leading indicator of other things, these other high demand applications uh, that we're talking about, which will um, use a lot of spectrum, if you will, crowd some of the uh, the uh, 
the normal use uh, by handsets uh, and so forth. So it's it's all part of why we need to find and, and make allocate more spectrum to be available because we do expect these other applications uh, to develop and come along. So, um, you know, you mentioned uh, the the C band, the mid band spectrum uh, a moment ago, and I know you were recently uh, at an industry conference on a panel talking about making this uh, C band available in the U.S. and Canada. So, uh, tell us about that process. What's going on there? Yeah, so f- first of all, C-band refers to spectrum, which is generally between about 3 gigahertz and 6 gigahertz. But in the context of 5G, the portion of spectrum which is harmonized for 5G use is from around about 3.3 gigahertz up to 4 or 4.2 gigahertz. Um, in America and in Canada, both uh, markets use that spectrum for C-band satellite services and so what we were discussing at the conference was the modifications that have been made to satellite networks and satellite earth stations in order to make spectrum available for mobile use so in the usa the regulator the fcc used proceeds from auctioning of the c-band spectrum to mobile use to pay incentive payments to satellite operators and that's been used to make equipment upgrades and add filters and and to enable the satellite industry to repurpose their use so that um, the spectrum can be used for mobile. So as a result of that repurposing, and and I think largely due to the incentive payments, then in the US market, there's been another 180 megahertz of C-band spectrum being freed up and it will be available for mobile 5G use by December 2023. So in Canada, we also discussed in the conference a similar process is happening to release spectrum from satellite use for mobile 5G use. In Canada, unlike in the US, there was no incentive payment made to satellite operators. And so the transition is taking longer and satellite operators will not be making the spectrum available until 2025. Okay. So, you know, these are... um things we're having to deal with that don't actually have to deal with the mobile network itself. They have to deal with the environment around it and so forth. And it just, it's just an indication it takes longer for these decisions to get made and carried out and so forth. It's a, it's a fairly complex environment and involving more than just the investment uh, in the mobile network itself. Um, but in the mobile network, we, we, we've uh, continued to come up with a, uh, clever technologies and, and ways to uh, kind of work around some of the obstacles, I guess I'll call it, uh, uh, around ways to share the spectrum. So uh, talk a little bit about the various means of which we can uh, share the spectrum with other users at the same time. Yeah, so spectrum sharing has is not a new concept. Spectrum sharing has been around for some time, but um, something which has emerged in, in the USA is, is the concept of dynamic spectrum sharing. Now, these examples are limited to dates, but one example is the CBRS sharing environment in the USA. So in the CBRS, there are different tiers of use. So the highest tier is the US government use, which is used by US Navy for for radar, and they have primary rights to part of the C-band spectrum. Uh, What the CBRS is enabling is that when the priority users are not using the spectrum, um, others can make use of the spectrum in that area. 
And so to enable that, there are databases or spectrum access systems which are used to manage the use, um, taking account of the incumbent military use. So, so that is an interesting development. And I think the future of spectrum will probably involve more sharing in future between incumbent use and between um, new incoming uses. Whether that involves dynamic sharing is is another question. Um, sharing can be done without databases uh, in a non-dynamic way, but that CBRS example is one interesting one where they have uh, really pushed the boundaries and, and using database technology enabled a, a novel form of sharing. Okay. So, um, so looking at the uh, it's kind of the fulfilling the expectations of five G or those discussions that are underway with six G. Um, so, what do you think the, uh, the the future of Spectrum actually looks like now? So, I think the, the future is going to be um, continued demand for more Spectrum for these high bandwidth applications. Um, clearly, though, it's very costly and it takes time to clear Spectrum. Um, that there is also an issue that the incumbent users continue to need access to Spectrum and their business models are evolving as well. So I think the future of, of Spectrum also involves changes to wireless network architectures. Uh, so that will require more investment in fiber infrastructure and fiber infrastructure will enable many more smaller wireless sites to be deployed. Uh, there will be more use of intelligence in networks so that you can vary the the bandwidth and the, uh, the the allocation of spectrum in different locations. Potentially as well, there'll be more flexibility in accessing spectrum and, and new ways of sharing, such as what we've just been discussing. Um, the decision process around those future developments is very complicated. Um, already the industry is discussing what further spectrum might be needed for future mobile and future 6G use. And there are some interesting discussions already taking place. So I think some of the key considerations, though, are the investment needed into new generations. Um, this future involves long-term investments, so certainty in spectrum access, early decision-making to understand what spectrum is available, what the conditions of the spectrum use will be. All of that is very important. All right. Excellent. Yeah, so we're facing... Uh, a future where we really have to make long-term investment decisions. Uh, there's complex technology involved and also you know, pretty complex economics, uh, uh, difficult decisions uh, to be made here. Uh, so thanks very much, Jeanette, uh, for taking the time and uh, offering your expertise uh, on an area that's that's really just very critical for our industry. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. There is an article accompanying this, and the link to that article uh, is posted in the show notes. Uh, thanks for joining us. Thank you.